I'm Jess O'Callaghan, and welcome to the Audiocraft podcast. This podcast was produced and recorded on the lands of the Darug people and on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that this always was, always will be Aboriginal land. In this feed, you'll find the recordings from the 2020 Audiocraft Podcast Festival, so you can relive your favourite sessions and give the wisdom shared by your audio idols a closer listen. This session is all about queer audio stories. The much-loved WMYC podcast Nancy is full of stories and conversations about pop culture, history, politics, fashion, sport and family, and how these have shaped the queer community's experiences. Kathy Tu is a producer at The New York Times, and Tobin Lowe is a producer with Radiolab. Until early 2020, they were the co-hosts of Nancy. Here, they're in conversation with Benjamin Law, talking about why queer stories work so well in audio, and how audio magic is created when you mix the personal, the political, and the fun. Benjamin Law is a writer and co-host of ABC Radio National's pop culture show Stop Everything with Beverly Wang. Um, I'm so pleased to talk with the both of you today. I've been living with you in my head for the last three years, so it's nice to see you as real people. And many of us here know and love Nancy and probably, like me, wept like abandoned children after listening to the final episode of Nancy. Nancy was here (laughs) because it marked the end of a show that's been with us since 2017, I think. And um, correct me if I've got any of these figures wrong, 101 episodes, is that right? And five seasons. And so going through that, you've introduced us to your parents, you've led us through the aftermath of the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting. You've helped us discover the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands. It's a real thing, people, probably the inspiration for the next Disney classic. So first question, (laughs) we've come to the end of that journey. How are you both feeling, Kathy? Um, Well, a little sad because as I told Tobin right before we jumped in here, this is our very last interview ever together. That's not true. This is the exit interview. (laughs) I didn't even know we had your exit interview. So what about you, it's Tobin? A little, How are you? It's a little oh, sad. sorry. Go on, Kathy. Oh, it's just it's a it's a little sad, but I do think that we, I feel so good about all the stuff that we put out in the world. I feel so proud of it, and that, the the fact that it exists and we had a chance to do it for three years was more than I could have really imagined when we pitched the show originally. So, hmm. what about you, Tobin? Where's your head at? Um, I am feeling just incredibly grateful for the whole thing. Um. We've we've said before, like one of the funny things about working on a podcast is you sort of you're in like confined spaces with a microphone or like one other guest and you work on this thing for a while. And then the performance of it or the release of it is like you hit a button and it goes out into the Internet. And so you're not always interacting with the people who are actually like ingesting the thing and and, you know, getting to hear how it affects them. So I think the end of the show was this really lovely moment of like all these listeners reaching out and telling us what the show had meant and how it had helped them find friends and partners and community. And like all of that was just, it was overwhelming. And it was like, wow, it was, it really was all, it was all worth it. It was was really cool. 
Now we're talking about the end, but I also want to go back to the beginning because whenever I recommend Nancy to people, I tell them to start from the beginning, which is not what I tell them about RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, so I want to know how each of you got into podcasting and specifically Nancy in the first place, because Kathy, if we start with you, I understand you were studying law before coming into this. So how did audio come into your world? Yeah, I've uh, I've had a couple of career turns. Um, before before I went to law school, I was working as an EMT in LA, so it was an emergency medical technician driving ambulances around LA County. Um, and then I decided to go to law school. And towards the end of law school, I kind of knew that it wasn't a thing that I was going to keep doing. So as soon as I graduated, um, I applied. I think I actually applied a little bit before I graduated to uh, the Transom Story Workshop. Um, the 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 storytelling workshop in um, Cape Cod, and that's where I met Tobin. He was one of nine people there. We were one of nine, and um, and then ever since then, I've just decided to keep doing it. Why podcasting? I'm not 100% sure. Except I knew that I was listening to more shows than I was truly studying. Like, just to be very honest, I was definitely listening to more shows than I was studying in school. So I thought, this is a thing that somebody does, so maybe I can give it a shot. And when I decide to do something, I kind of just jump in completely. And yeah, it's been in this world for like, what, six, seven years? And Tobin's been there for all of it, actually. <laughs> mm, I love those almost rom-com beginnings where the both of you meet at the workshop. Oh, there was you? a moment. <laughs> What about you, Tobin? Because I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're actually, actually like a classical cellist. Like that's your training and background. Is that right? So how did podcasting come into your world? Yeah. Um, so I trained through, you know, growing up in college um, as a classical cellist. And my ambition was to be in an orchestra or a string quartet. That's the direction I was headed in. Um, and I moved to New York originally to go to grad school for music and that's sort of like, depending on how you look at it, a very lucky or unlucky time to realize you absolutely hate being a professional musician. <laughs> so <laughs> I just had this, I, I was this moment in my life where I was slowly falling out of this love that I, that I thought it was going to be my entire life. Mm. Um, and at the same time, I started listening to a ton of Radiolab. I like discovered this show called Radiolab. And uh, I remember very clearly, I was lucky to be seeing a therapist at the time. And this therapist said to me, you know, you've come in for a couple sessions now and you talk about music and you seem miserable. And then you talked about this show Radiolab and it's the first time I've seen you excited. And that was like my aha moment of, oh, this is something people do and it's exciting to me. Um, so flash forward to a bunch of things. I arrived also at the Transom Story Workshop. Um, and as Kathy said, we were two of nine people and I don't know if it will surprise you that we were the only two queer Asian people <laughs> in this cohort. <laughs> so it really was like a locking of eyes and being like, you, we have a lot of things in common. And as it turned out, you know, just creatively too, we, we thought and worked a lot of the same ways. And so when we left the workshop, we really just had this feeling of like, we got to do something together. We got to work together. Mm. Um, and as far, I mean, it was funny, we were just talking about like seeing the pitch session that was happening before this. It's like a full circle moment for us because Nancy came about because we had an idea for a show uh, and WNYC happened to have this 
open pitch contest for, you know, bring us show ideas. Uh, and we entered together and we won. And that's how Nancy came to be at, at WNYC. Okay. I didn't know that part of the story because I thought like it starts off as a rom-com and it ends with this kind of mighty duck <laughs> victory from the both of you, which no, is we take a We take a detour into Shark Tank territory for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I, I love that. Um, Kathy, one of the reasons I said when I recommend Nancy to other people is start from the beginning is because Hello, Hello, that very first episode is so iconic and means so much to so many mm. listeners, uh, myself included. And it's about how you had to come out to your mother over and over again. And the premise of the episode was this time you wanted to know that your mum understood. Can I ask you, why did you want to start Nancy here? And what was the backstory of this episode? Was it, was it difficult to actually put together or to even get your mum involved? Well, I would say that I recorded this conversation with my mom before Nancy was uh, was truly a thing. For me, it was a way for me to document that this thing happened. Like this was, I've been coming out to her a couple of times before that and every time it kind of felt like it got brushed away. I didn't want to talk about it. And so then I felt like I was living as if I never came out, which is just very weird when I've already done the thing of coming out. So documented it for myself. And then when Nancy was starting to form and we we're kind of putting together our pitch, um, I sort of offered it up as like, this is a thing I recorded. I don't know that I can work on it really because it's such raw tape, but mm. I'm definitely willing to try. And actually through the process of working on that tape and the conversation with my mom, it's sort of like, I kind of felt like there's plenty, plenty of times in my life when I, I wish I could go back and listen to a conversation over again, just to be like, did I miss something? Did I misinterpret something here? Did I, did I misread something? And you generally don't get to do that. But with <laughs> this specific conversation, I did. I did get to go back and listen to it many times, many, many times to figure out what she was saying to me. And then the challenge was to present it as authentically as I could. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's why we ended up trying uh, using that tape in the first episode. But the other reason why we wanted to use that was because it felt like a good intro to both me and Tobin, because it's not just my coming out story. Tobin's Story is also in there, albeit a little bit shorter. Um, and and we also wanted to do it because we felt like there's so many more stories to tell. And let's just start with the coming out part, but like there's a whole world after you come out. That's what we wanted to explore. So that mm -hmm. felt like a good starting point. And then we wanted to dive into a million other things after that. Um, and then, yeah, we, we did do um, like a few coming out stories, but I don't think they were the uh, the main focus of our show, which I really, really liked. Let's hear some audio from that now, Bernie, if you've got the clip. Let's hear from um, the very first episode. This is a conversation between your mother and you, Kathy. It's not possible for me to fall in love with men. Why? I don't know. It's Did just not possible. Yeah, there's no trying. There's like date. There's dating. That, I guess that's trying. But it's just, you don't feel anything. And because you can't accept me as a whole person, I'm always going to feel like I'm lacking this 
this relationship. And I can't tell you everything because so last month, December was a really hard month for me, but the things that were upsetting me, I can't tell you because it would make you happy, even though it makes me sad. Why? Because there was a girl that I liked who didn't like me back. And I was really sad for a really long time, but I can't tell you that because you would just be happy that this wasn't happening for me. And so December was a really hard time and why I wasn't home so often. But I couldn't tell you these things. Mm, understand. So that is a moment from the very first episode of Nancy. We're hearing from your mother, um, Chen Shun Lin. Sorry, my Mandarin is bad. My Cantonese is bad as well. <laughs> her English name is Emily. And, you know, this is an episode that had me crying in a supermarket. I still remember listening Aww. to it for the first time. I'm wondering, you know, that that's not the first, that's not the last time that we hear from your mom as, as Nancy progresses through the years. Um, and I'm wondering what the impact of hearing from your mum has been on your listeners? What are the stories they come to you with? What What are the stories they've compared um, to yours? You know, people have come up to us or wrote, emailed us, but mainly I think I hear from people like after a live show or something and they don't necessarily tell me like the very specifics of their relationship with their parents or what of how their coming out was, but I do, hear a lot about like the feeling and the and the and the feeling that they heard from that episode and how that resonated very very strongly um and I, I guess that's what it means when when something that you're listening to really touches people and um i can't think of like specific stories but i've got i've heard from many many asian americans just asian folks generally who have had a hard time coming out um, just really, really relate um, to the first episode. And I truly didn't think that it was gonna, it was gonna touch so many people. I was very shocked by that. Mm. I, I feel like you're underselling the reaction because I have been <laughs> with you on multiple occasions where somebody comes up, they say hello and they love the show, whatever, <laughs> and then they pivot to you and they burst into tears. Oh, right. It's just that, you know, it happens... <laughs> A lot, but I think it it really it it touched such a nerve specifically for I, I think like children of immigrants with a certain coming out story. Um, yeah, yeah, it really it hit hard. Mm. Right. Oh wow. I mean, yeah. Tobin, your dad is also a cult figure in the Nancy listening world. <laughs> you know, we I love his love relationship Tobin's with you dad. and Queer Eye. Um, but besides that, we're also about to hear from an earlier episode about HIV. Um, from two people named David and Dominique call and the episode was called here's what it's like can you give some context here what was the motivation and backstory behind making this particular episode uh yeah this is actually one of my favorite episodes we ever got to make um, and it started with our co-worker David who um, is just one of the you know the people who lights up the office we just love him he's in his 60s um, he's been living in New York as an out gay man for, you know, since the 80s. Um, and he came to us when we were developing the show and said, you know, I, um, he shared with us that he is HIV positive and 
um, he just didn't know what young people now, specifically young gay men now in America, um, what they feel if they find out they're HIV positive and how do they live with that? And do they understand what the AIDS crisis in America really meant and what people went through? Um, so the original idea was just, could you do a story about that? And and the more we worked on it, the more we felt like, you know, this is David's curiosity. And if we pass the mic to him to have this conversation, you know, there's so much more experience he can bring to that. So what ended up happening um, is our producer, our former producer, shout out to Matt Collette, um, put together this really beautiful conversation between David, our coworker, and Dominique, who is uh, in his 30s uh, and also HIV positive. Mm. So this is a, a really incredible episode. And one of the driving questions that David has is, did we go through a plague for nothing? Did we learn anything? Let's hear from that episode now. When you hear someone my age talk about the 80s or what it was like or everybody was dying, what do you think? We're still dying. It's just that it's different. Um, I think... A lot of, I, I see a lot of my young black youth dying still to this day. Now it changed. The, the communities that that are dying um, changed. Mm-hmm. So and it's not talked about as often, and, but it's still around. AIDS crisis is still around. How many friends of, you, of yours have you lost? So many. I've lost so many people. Um, I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah. People say, you know, it's not the 80s I'm worth. Um, people not dying from it. And yes, they are. You know, Tobin, when I hear that, uh, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Nancy is learning about the queer community, which sounds like a strange thing to say because, you know, as a queer person, shouldn't I know all of this stuff? But LGBTIQA+, as the letters go here in Australia, like that, those letters imply a differentiation amongst our communities and there's also differences between cultures and generations and those experiences of queerness and i'm wondering what have you learned about the broader queer communities that you had no idea about before starting nancy i think well i guess i'm i'm glad you're you're talking about you know shouldn't I as a queer person know everything? Because I think that is actually like a common thing that happens a lot of the time is this idea that, oh, you're queer, you must understand the entirety of the community. (laughs) And I think, in fact, when we started the show, you know, Kathy and I fell into this trap of feeling like, oh, we're the hosts of a queer podcast. We should know everything. Like we should be up on everything and we should. And and that that is what it means to be a good queer person. Um, And I feel like that just like continued to be chipped away as we worked on the show and as we sort of like got even deeper into making stories is just this idea of like, of course, you're not going to know everything because the community is so diverse and it there's so many different kinds of folks within this one sort of umbrella and family. Uh, and so I think the more time we worked on it, the more I just learned like the point is to be open and to listen and to learn and to not act like you know everything Mm. um that was the biggest Uh, thing i think kathy in preparation for this chat i was going through a lot of praise for nancy and i'm just gonna like read some so you both feel really good about yourselves um (laughs) time magazine said it was one of the best podcasts of the year they didn't i forget which year it was so let's just assume it was every year um guardian called it warm and inspiring and out magazine said it was must listen 
And then I thought there was a really interesting point that the New York Times made when they were talking about Nancy. They said that it was reporting from rather than on the queer perspective. Did you see it that way too? And what is the distinction there for you? Oh my God, yeah, for sure. I think our the way that we had talked about every story was that we, as much as we can, we're gonna try to report it from like a personal point of view instead of having this uh, like a, like a way of, of othering the person that you're trying to report on. We tried as hard as we could to try to make sure that the whatever story it is that we're working on, there's something in there there's some stakes there for the person doing the reporting. So, which resulted in, you know, a lot of us um, doing stories about the things that were important to us, um, as well as like trying to shepherd or help along like producers who had stories that they wanted to tell. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the difference is that is the othering. I think sometimes when you're reporting on identities that aren't your own, um, if you're not very, very, very careful, you end up talking about them as if they're just truly 100% different from you when in fact you have a lot more in common than you think mm. so that is a point that we tried to do from the from the very very beginning was that your take as well Tobin because I get the sense that when a lot of people start out in radio or any kind of journalism there is this sense that you almost have an obligation to do this so-called objective view from nowhere perspective nancy mm -hmm. was obviously quite different yeah i mean yeah i'm gonna echo 100 percent what kathy said we started with this idea that everyone on the show has a point of view and an experience and actually the times that we felt we failed in our mission were when we did episodes that felt they were that they were very general about an identity. So the times that mm -hmm. it felt like we had somebody on, let's say as a guest, and we just sort of asked them like, explain your identity to us, you know, that mm -hmm. felt bad. And that felt like we were failing the mission of the show. And so the more we ran towards the idea that anyone on the show has a unique, perspective that they can talk from and don't have to explain themselves in the sort of like dictionary kind of way, the better the show would be and the truer it would be. And in fact, the better the journalism would be. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's like something we held very dear throughout the run of the show. Yeah. So after, after three years, is there stuff, I mean, I'm sure there must be stuff that you wish you knew when you were starting out that you do know now. And I wonder if you have any wisdom to impart on the producers and the presenters who are making their own podcast now whether it's to do with money whether it's to do with interviewing styles whether it's to do with admin like what are the big lessons that you learned along the way oh it's like God. damn we should have known that from the start Tobin you start I feel like I've oh no <laughs> oh no okay where to begin even <laughs> <laughs> this should be its own breakout session shouldn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think we, um, especially like let's say towards year two of making the show, when we sort of started to figure out, I mean, Kathy, tell me if you agree with this. Like mm -hmm. when we started to be in a pattern of figuring out the show, it was starting to get easier to be like, this is what a Nancy story is, or like, this is what the episode sounds like. And so, you know, you start to get into a rhythm of like, 
we know how to make this show now uh, and whatnot. And I think one of the best things we did is recommitted to this idea that we could break the format or break the show again and put it back together and like commit mm -hmm. to having weirdness in the show again. And I think as a creative person making something, um, I think that's important. This idea that like, even when you figured out the thing, you can always reinvent. And that's, I think, something that it's not necessarily something we did wrong. I think it's something we actually did like kind of right is, is like committing to making weird things again. Mm. And what about you, Kathy? If you could get in a time machine and go to the Kathy Koo who was just about to start working on Nancy, and it's like, hey, I've got some stuff to tell you. You need to know this. <laughs> what, what would you tell her? I would tell her that your relationships are going to change many times. Um, not with Tobin. Tobin was a steady constant. I meant like partners. <laughs> he was the recurring constant cast member. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so when we started... When we pitched the idea of um, of the show, I wasn't going to be a host because I have a lot of like, I have a lot of uh, anxiety about being like on stage and being on mic, that sort of a thing. So I was sort of, uh, I was just sort of like, I want, I don't want to say dragged, but I was definitely like kicking and screaming about becoming a host. Uh, and Tobin was like, "It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine." There's other things he said, but mostly it was like, it'd be fine. And then and then eventually I I did get used to it, but I would say at the beginning, I really should have, um, there was a lot of like unaddressed anxiety stuff that I didn't, I've never had to really deal with until it was put in the spotlight by working on the show. So mm -hmm. if I were to go back in time, I would say address that sooner than you think you, you need to, especially if you're planning to, to host a show. <laughs> um and and really deal with that because I think I just had a much harder time in that first season and a half trying to to sound as as human as I possibly could on mic when I was feeling like all these like anxieties inside. So mm -hmm. it, that's more of like a, a internal turmoil type thing. Um, what else would have been nice to know ahead of time? Everything a, takes much longer than you think. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Tobin. Well, no, I was going to add a short one that you actually said. Actually, I think it, this is from an old coworker of yours. Um, yeah. But it's There's no such thing as a podcast emergency. No, right. I think, like, <laughs> especially for you creatives out there who are making a thing that is like your baby, your, your thing, there's going to be times where you feel like it is the most important thing in the world. And you yeah. have to remember it's just a podcast <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Before we move on, Kathy, I don't think you're alone in um, being someone in a hosting position who feels kind of anxiety and maybe even dread. Maybe I'm talking about myself now. Oh, my uh, God, dread. Yes, to, yes, yes, yes. When it comes to hosting things and in that time, like more specifically, what, what actually helped? Repetition. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the hardest thing to do, but also the thing that helped the most. I think yeah. it's um, somebody described it once to me as um, as like quitting smoking. The most effective thing is just to do it cold turkey. It's the hardest thing to do, but it's the most effective thing to do. And I and I feel like it's the same thing with hosting something sounding natural on mic, um, being able to uh, you know have conversations on mic while you're also trying to read like producers' notes and 
I still can't quite do that. Most of the time people have to like stop the interview and tell me something and then keep going. But it got, I got better, Tobin, right? I got a little bit better. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Over the last three years, I mean, this is just like almost like personal trivia that I'm really keen to get from you too. But <laughs> is there like an episode or an interview that got away where it's like, oh, we got so close to pulling X, Y, or Z off and it's like, oh, mm. it just slipped through the cracks? Oh, I can think of one. Um, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to get a conversation going between um, Sara Ramirez, um, who starred as Callie Torres on, in Grey's Anatomy, because I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. And I wanted her in co conversation with Stephanie Beatrice, who played uh, Rosa on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because they're both two Latina uh, bisexual women um, and I think they might also both be in opposite sex relations. I'm not sure. But um, I just thought that conversation would have been so great to hear. It would have meant so much to our listeners. And I was so close to making that happen. But then the scheduling didn't work out. And I was very sad. Oh, so call out if anyone has really good links with the Latino bisexual mafia oh my God. in touch that would for, be so great. for a very special extra Nancy episode. Um, <laughs> can I ask what, what was the most kind of controversial episode that you ever put out in the three years where the reaction, um, whether intentionally or not, was, was bigger than you expected? Wow. Funny you should I know ask. the answer to this, so it's very funny. Yes. Uh, I mean, there were certainly episodes that caused a lot of conversation, like we did an episode on gay Republicans uh, in the States and, um, uh, you know, other things that certainly caused a lot of people to react. But by far, head and shoulders above everything was a story that our former producer Matt Collette did calling out J.K. Rowling for reverse engineering a gay character in her books, uh, Dumbledore which is hilarious in retrospect, because when we put out that episode, so many people were like, how dare you call yeah, out J.K. Rowling? An ally to the, the community. Ally, yes. <laughs> the absolute ally to us all. And they were like, people on Twitter would tag the show and tag J.K. and like try to start, like try to draw her attention to it. Um, and I tell you what, we feel so validated these days. <laughs> If anyone wants to offer an apology to Kathy and Tobin, you can do so in the comment right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, How's your ally doing these days, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. not getting her ally cookie anytime soon. Now, let's hop over to some audience questions because there are some really good ones here. Um, first one is, if you were able to make one more Nancy episode with unlimited budget and time, what oh, would you wow. make? That is an amazing question. I mean, I think the the broad answer is like we always had ambitions to do more traveling and more like in the field kind of stories mm. um, and like get to spend some time in a place. Uh, and, you know, just because of budget and because we were, you know, like based on the coasts, like our stories tended to go a certain way. So I feel like if we had a budget, like we would have done so much more out on the road. I feel yeah. like and coronavirus has conspired against that. <laughs> yes. Not that we even had the option, but yeah, yes. <laughs> Kathy, what were you going to say? Would have, I would have spent all any money possible uh, to get myself in the room with Angelina Jolie so I can interview That's her. Real. 
still <laughs> when since high school you said so you could interview her i was wondering where that sentence would end up but yes oh. of course, you're a professional <laughs> it's interviewer. for the show come yeah, on yeah i understand that um <laughs> another comment a uh, question one of my favorite things about nancy was the way it tackled big themes like money or friendship over a whole season how did you decide your themes decide on your themes and are there any you really wish you had the chance to do Mm. I mean, the friendship one truly came out of, like, uh, a story pitch. Well, in the sense that, like, we, we used to have these weekly editorial meetings where we kind of just came in and talked about story ideas and stuff we wanted to, to cover. And I had said this thing about, you know, feeling like um, specifically gay television in, like, when I was growing up promised this like group of chosen family and uh like this group of basically fabulous gay men that were going to be your chosen family <laughs> and like you know wondering sort of where they were because i was like i have i have gay friends but i don't have like this click and then it just so happened like that same week i met this uh guy named joe who was interviewing me for a thing and he was like i want he was so sweet he's like i want to pitch you a story about how i thought i was going to have all these gay friends and then now i don't and i'm like wondering where they are and I was like, perfect. We are going to help you find them. We like developed this whole project around him. And like, and, and, and it was this moment of like, wow, we built this whole toolkit for Joe. Like, I wonder if we released it, if people would like participate. And that became like, I think probably our most successful engagement thing was just like our listeners ran with this toolkit and found each other and formed, we call them gaggles. And um, so, yeah, a lot of those a lot of those like big sort of themes that we ran with started with just conversations of like, this is a thing I'm experiencing. Maybe there's something there. Mm -hmm. And then mm. the more it snowballs, like the more universal and big it, it got. Yeah. Well, the, those gaggle, those, the kind of gaggle arc that you all laid out <laughs> was so like nourishing, but slightly unnerving. I imagine to some people it's like, where's my gaggle now too, but it wasn't <laughs> set everyone on a mission, which was amazing. Um, okay, some, some yeah. more questions. What what made something definitely a Nancy story? Did you feel um, you did you feel you did what you set out to? Oh, wait a minute, sorry. There are three separate questions. So, first one: What made mm. something definitely a Nancy story? Were there criteria? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take this one, Tobin, since you are more of an editorial lead. Oh yeah, did you have a checklist, Tobin? Well, we did. Um, we did have sort of a show bible which was a thing actually um, we both, uh, even before Nancy had worked with the folks at Radiolab through various projects. And Jad Abumrad, who hosts Radiolab, he had given us advice when we started the show um, where he was like, after you make a couple episodes, like let's say after your first season, you should look back on it and identify the moments that you loved from it. And sort of from that reverse engineer what your show bible is like what are the qualities and the moments that like when it feels really right um you are doing that in an episode of nancy um and i, I what i recall of our our show bible was like stories that started with like i'm uncomfortable with this because like that mm -hmm. sentence sort of like starting from a place of admitting discomfort and wanting to explore it um what else? Personal, we always wanted it from like one person's point of view as opposed to having to speak for like this monolith of community. Um, we Doing liked weird and joyful like, things. Yeah, 
Joy, yes, thank you. That was a huge one. We wanted mm -hmm. so much to, you know, be able to talk about the hardship that is very real in the queer community, but also make space for queer joy and to feel like the show could be a place specifically for queer people to come and celebrate their experience too. That reverse engineering kind of equation is so smart, but I think anyone who listens to Nancy and has listened to Nancy, those criteria make complete sense as, as you laid them out. Thank you for that. Um, next question. Did you feel you did what you set out to do? Oh, there's almost like a subtext of judgment there, isn't there? Did you feel like you set out to do what you did? Because I have some opinion. No. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, I was, I would say that as an Asian person, it's never enough. So we could have done more. We could have done better. You only got an but A. Where's the plus? I, I need the plus. Right. <laughs> but I think, I think in the amount of time that we had and the resources that we had, I, I'm very, very proud of the stuff that we made. And I think we did set out to do what we wanted to do, especially with, with like, when the show was um, ending, we got so many emails from people talking about specifically about how the the show, the entire run of the show impacted them, how it aligned with um, their coming out story and uh, made them feel more um, more part of a community and less alone. And, and that was our goal from the beginning. My personal goal was to make a show that made people feel less alone, the, especially in the queer community. So mm. yeah, I think we did it. I mean, could we have done better and more? Yes, always. <laughs> Tobin? Um, I don't know, not to get too heady with the question, but I, I feel like one of the things we learned very early on with the show, especially because the mandate we set out for ourselves was to cover as much of this vast queer community as we could. Um, I think the thing you learn very quickly is that like you're always gonna fail at that in terms of mm -hmm. you're always gonna fail at being inclusive of everyone. And you're always gonna be not talking about this thing over here enough or this thing over here enough. And not because, uh, what am I trying to say? The, the effort is there and you have to continue the effort because it is right to want to cover as much as, as you possibly can. And there's so many voices that deserve that platform. Um, and so I think you have to make peace with like, at the end of the day, there will be some failure in there as you continue the effort to get to more stories and get to more coverage. Um, and I think some people stop at the failure, like stop at the, well, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna cover it all. So I might as well like stop trying or whatever. And I think if you really are committed to this work of like covering disenfranchised voices or minority voices, like you have to push past that failure constantly and like live with that failure. If that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, I think that will resonate for a lot of people listening in. Um, a couple last final questions before we wrap up. But, um, you know, in the final episode of Nancy, Nancy was here. There's this really great section of the episode where you kind of essentially invite other queer podcasts to recommend themselves. I mean, you've curated them, but you invite them on to basically give, give us a spiel about what they are and other stuff that you can listen to in the queer audio space. Um, outside of Nancy, if they're hungry for more. And I'm wondering um, beyond that, because it's just such a good list of, of stuff to add to your podcast list, outside of audio, where are each of you getting good queer nourishment from right now? What are you reading? What are you watching? 
uh, what are you absorbing that's giving you life? Well, okay, so then the last two or three weeks, my girlfriend and I have gone through all of Golden Girls. <laughs> Because it feels it feels good. It, oh, there's some episodes that are truly not okay, but for the most part, that I, I for whatever reason, going back in time right now feels good to me in COVID times. Mm, there are some. Yeah. there are some series that have aged very poorly, but Golden Girls still yes. seems edgy often when you watch it now. Um, yeah, agree. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Tobin? What's been giving you life through, you know, a, a tough period for 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 many, um, but especially in the queer space, what what's been perking your interest? Uh, I'm going to point to two things. One is I just finished watching Legendary on HBO Max, which is their mm. like ballroom competition show. Mm. Um, I would love it if anyone ever sees this who's involved with that show for season two let the houses like drive the ship more they brought in a lot of guest judges and a lot of like judges who had no idea what ballroom was and like clearly were judging from just like the voguing was very exciting <laughs> it's just like no no bring in the knowledgeable people let the houses drive the ship more anyway that's my little soapbox to no one uh and then the other thing i would say is i am uh one of my favorite authors, uh, Brian Washington. Um, mm. I've been rereading his first short story collection. He has a new yeah, book coming lot, out. Right? It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your recommendations. A question uh, from the audience is, what's next? What's what's after Nancy for, for each of you? Well, what I'm leaving podcasting altogether, so <laughs> goodbye. It's I very late over here. I'm feeling a little loopy. <laughs> <laughs> Her camera goes off. She storms yeah. out of frame. <laughs> truly, truly. You got it here first. Kathy Two's mic drop. Everyone here at AudioCraft 2020. I'm actually, you know, just just for funsies and keep keeping Tobin on his toes. I've mm. basically threatened to quit for the last three years. Just every mm -hmm. once in a while. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You got to keep the relationship spicy. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> But do you have, I mean, will you, you will be staying in the audio space? You'll be making more stories, Kathy? Yeah, or... Tobin and I both uh, have uh, uh, roles at Radiolab. Um, our our first love was Radiolab and um, they made space for us to, to join them. So that's what we're looking forward to. Mm. Oh, fantastic. So you'll continue working with each other as well? Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> wow the facial expressions really told a story from each of you right there whoever screenshotted it you can post it onto twitter with the audio craft hashtag whatever it is today <laughs> um and finally you have we've got a couple more minutes but you have given really generous advice to um audio makers today already but any last final words that you'd leave with them especially for people starting out in this space hmm. i think well, I'm going to give a quick shout out to um, that list that that has been compiled of all the queer shows that there's almost like 200 of them. Um, if you go to nancypodcast.org slash queer shows, you'll, you'll see the, the whole doc. 
Um, I think that it's really important if you're starting out to hear what's out there now, it's, it's really exploded in the last few years. Like there were definitely queer podcasts before Nancy came out. I just feel like now there's so many more and it's amazing. So I, I would say, listen as much as you can, see what's out there, see what stories people are telling um, and, and make something that feels unique to you. Mm. Thanks so much, Kathy. What about you, Tobin? Final takeaway? Uh, I think especially for people starting out, and especially if you have ambitions to be on the mic, um, doing the work of just shedding all imitation of other people, mm. other maybe even podcasters you idolize. You know, I've, I listen back to my early work and I can hear myself trying to be Jad or I can hear myself trying to be Ira Glass. And the the faster you can sort of like get rid of that and just talk how you talk and sound how you sound, the better your work is going to be. And the more it's going to have like a point of view that is only yours. Mm. So we love Ira Glass, but burn some sage and do a self Ira Glass exorcism <laughs> on yourselves, everyone. That's a really good takeaway. Uh, Kathy too, Tobin Lowe, it's been such a pleasure. I'm such a fan. Really, really grateful to have this moment with you. Um, and thank you so much for Hello. being so generous with AudioCraft. And we're fans of yours as well. Yes, this Stop is a connection many about. years in the making. So many years. <laughs> this is going to happen. When you're in Australia, when it's allowed, this is going to yes. happen. Yeah, we're going to do it. It was supposed to be stage. this year. <laughs> no. Thank you to Kathy Two and Tobin Lowe in what was hopefully not their last appearance as the Nancy duo. And thank you to Benjamin Law for steering that wonderful conversation. If you liked this talk, you can find all our sessions from Audiocrafts past and present in our podcast feed. If you enjoyed this, why not check out Under the Hood with Love and Luck? Find us on social media at AudioCraftFest and sign up to our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au to keep in touch. See you next time. <laughs>